Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of So What Else? I'm your host, Caitlin, and look at us. We are back with interviews. Can you even believe it. I cannot, but I am so excited. Today, I got to talk to my new friend, Kelsey Aldinger. You might remember several episodes back, I interviewed someone named Kelsey Beatty. Well, I connected to this Kelsey through that Kelsey, and here we are. They are besties. They are podcast co-hosts. So Kelsey Aldinger and I got to connect, and it was just such a fun chat. We share a love of all things Bravo. We talk about her IVF journey. We talk about her foster care journey. It was an awesome chat. I have a new friend in her, and I know you're going to lover, so stay tuned. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm going to just take my headphones off and it'll be good. I'm good. How are you? Good. Good. I was trying to be fancy with my microphone and I think that's what maybe messed me up. I, please. It's like, how many times do I have to do this? I said this to my husband last time, like something was going screwy and I was like, I have 130 episodes. Like, how have I not yet got this down? Like, why is it that every time? But like, look, I've used a printer probably 1 million times in my life. And every time I try to print something, it goes wrong somehow. It's so true. It's so true. Technology is the best and the worst. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's torture, honestly. Before we like start, start, how do you pronounce your last name? Aldinger. Aldinger. So it's like, okay, okay. A hard G. Unfortunately. Um, (laughs) My maiden name was Clark. Like so easy, Kelsey Clark. That is easy. That's so easy. Into Aldinger, and I was like, "Can it be like Aldinger? Wouldn't that be beautiful?" Because that's what I was wondering if it was that. Like I was like, "Is it Aldinger?" Yeah, I wish. So I mean, did you ever have moments of like, "I'm gonna just keep my maiden name"? Mm -hmm. I did, and then I was like, "It'll be cause too much drama if I don't. I'll just we'll become one." Exactly. You just got to go with it. Aspects, yeah. So we now all, it's fine until people say Aldinger and I'm like, oh, if only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you just leave it? I would be like, I'm not going to correct them. Yeah, I don't correct them unless it's like, you know, <laughs> something that I need to correct them on. Otherwise yeah. I don't. Oh my gosh. Well, if you want, I can say it wrong for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. I'm so excited to be talking yeah, to you. This too. is so fun. Did you just get your little one in bed? I did. She's uh, not quite asleep. She's laying there looking at me on the monitor. But oh gosh. Is your husband in home? bed and quiet? Okay, no, well, he actually good. just left. Normally he is home, but he went over to his parents' house for a little bit. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Mondays yeah. are like, we're def- we're getting into that phase of parenting because now my oldest is seven. And so like, we didn't have like kid activities for a long time. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so it was like every evening was the same. It was just like, wait for Scott to get home. And then we just like have dinner and we just yeah. pray that bedtime comes quickly. But now it's like, we're in that like, Jace has gymnastics at seven. So oh, it's like, gosh, we don't even get late. back. Yeah. So it's like, it actually, okay. I've worked it to my benefit. Because at first when I heard that the only class that they had availability in was at seven, I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Because it's an hour. I was like, I'm not going to get home till 8.15. Are you freaking kidding me? No, she has school tomorrow. But then we thought through it. And I was like, actually, Scott gets off work. We have like a calm family dinner. Then he stays home with the two little ones. I take her to gymnastics. While she's at gymnastics, I go to Target. And then I pick her up. And then I come home. And the two other ones are one is asleep. The other one is at least in her bed. And yeah. so it's like kind of a calmer e- evening for me. You know you what I mean? It's like not chaos. Of I do miss the chaos everything. of bedtime. Totally. And then it's like Tuesday, he has one of them at soccer. And then I'm, it's like, 
Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we have activities and it's kind of just like very chaotic. Thursdays and Fridays, we have nothing. And it's like, I prefer that. I don't know. I I go back and forth. Because sometimes I'm like, the activities are nice. They make time pass quickly. You know what I mean? for sure. But it's also like crazy. Then you're like, "Ah, eat, wash your hands. You know what I mean? You're just like, this is like. You just like you're go, go, going all the time. Totally. Now, are you a stay-at-home mom or you work? Mm -hmm. I stay home. Me too. I mean, I work like a little bit at church, but from home, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm, I'm a stay at home mom. That makes all the difference when you can like do things on your schedule with your kids, like 100%. That, that's the dream. Absolutely. Because I always say working from home with children is hell. If it's like a scheduled thing, like if you like mm-hmm. have to be on a meeting at noon, giving it your full attention and you have children in the house, that's not great. Oh, but yeah. if it's just like, Hey, on your time this week, answer emails and do the things that you need to do. Fine. You fit it in when they nap, when they this, when they that, you know what I mean? But if you have to like be on a call, like I remember during COVID, I was still teaching at the time and I was like online teaching students while Mm -hmm. Scott was also working in another room. And like at that time, my two children were like running around screaming. And I was like, this is the worst life. Like, yeah, I can't do this. I was working, I'm a speech pathologist by trade. And so I was doing like virtual sessions and that's when we were fostering. And so thankfully he was a very easy baby and my husband could like have him, but I was like, he can't, I can't watch him. Like I have to be one-on-one focused with kids. I can't like have a baby crying and then they would be like, who's that? What's going on? Totally. You can't be like, hold on one second. I'm just going to like hold the baby. Like, no, that's not going to fly. Totally derailed versus adults. They get it. Like everyone else is working with kids at home. So totally that's to our benefit. But I can't imagine my daughter now, like, oh my gosh. How old is she? She's two and a half. Oh, she, is she wild? She's just, she talks nonstop. Like she, oh my gosh. Yes. She is just, I mean, it's great. She can, she's very good at communicating her wants and needs, but it is (laughs) constant, constant. And She's my little Velcro baby, always has been. Yes. Just wants to be with me or have my, like, I can't even sit next to her and read like, okay, you read your book. I read my book. She's like, no, I want you to read one of my books silently. And I'm like, you know, I have other interests. (laughs) She sounds like my first, my oldest. Scott and I were just talking about this the other day until we let this go on way, way, way too long. But until she was like, I don't even know. We would lay next to the crib and mm-hmm. hold her hand through the bars until she fell asleep. Until I think it was maybe when I had my second and I was like, this cannot continue to happen. Like I, yeah. we can't do this. But yeah, she was so Velcro-y. I get it. It's like, you're just, and then I would see other moms that were like, oh, I did this today. I did that today. And I was like, I don't, how did you do that? Like, I don't understand that. Like I could never get anything done when she was little. Oh, no. And especially she was like a colicky newborn. So she oh. was being, and then we transitioned out of that, thankfully. And then I had like a period of like, oh, well, she's not screaming so I can do stuff. But then yeah. it is just, she yep. was really mobile early on. So then it was yeah. watch her. She's crawling. She's putting stuff in her mouth. And now it's the constant play with me, watch me. And I'm like, so torn. So like, I want to do that. And, you know, you want to soak up everything. And I'm like, there's dishes and laundry. Uh And And also, I mean, look, maybe this is a bad thing for me to say, and maybe I'm going to edit this out, but I don't love like playing 
with my kids. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I love my kids. I love being with my kids. I like talking with my kids. I like doing, I like sitting and coloring. I like sitting and doing a puzzle. But when she's like, you chase me or like you be Elsa, I be on. I'm like, oh, this is like my actual nightmare. Like, I don't want to do this. I'm always so conflicted because my sister is 10 years younger than me. So I grew up as an only child. And so I remember wanting my parents to play with me. And like, I had a very vivid imagination as a kid. So I'm Mm -hmm. like, I was her. Mm -hmm. And I remember like wanting a playmate. And my parents did play with me, you know. Yeah, yeah. They also had to do stuff. Yeah. And so I'm like constantly like, I want to do this. I remember feeling this way, but also, yeah, I can't. And then she's at the stage where like, you tell me to say this. And then I tell you to say this. And but then they like, correct you if you don't do yeah. it right. And you're like, no, I'm an adult. I will or not be bossed like, around. She's like, which one do you want? And I'll pick one. And then she's like, okay. And hands me the other one. And I'm like, well, then why did you have me pick? Right. And you're just like, okay, fine. And then on those days when you're like spazzing out about like other things, and then you feel like you have to take it out on your child. And you're like, there's something wrong with her. Like I'll, I'll like go to Scott and I'll be like, Scott, like she's never going to have any friends. Like she's too bossy. And he's like, I think she's just like a kid. And I'm like, no, I just like, I feel like I'm so like, I just think that like, maybe I screwed her up. Like she's so bossy. (laughs) It's like, just it's so hard. Yeah. It's so hard, but they're in bed. So it's okay. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're so cute when they're sleeping. They are. They are. Oh my goodness. Is she good? Does she stay asleep? Like, yes, she's a very good, like she's still in a crib and I'm like, please stay I, in the crib the rest of your life. My oldest was in a crib until her fourth birthday. I, I proudly share that. that fact. She, because she was such a Velcro kid that I knew I'm like the moment we put her in a bed, she's going mm-hmm. to be in our bed 24-7. Yeah. Like there's, we will not be able. And for whatever reason, she wasn't asking to not have a crib. So I just yeah. left it until her fourth birthday, legitimately. When she's still in the sleep sack, so she's, yeah. I, soon she's probably going to reel. Like she'll start to climb and I'm like, nope, remember we're yeah. climbing the crib and she's really good. And I don't care if she goes to sleep right away. I'm like, if you were no. in your bed, quiet. Play with oh, your I absolutely. Don't care. Absolutely. Who cares? So she Play. would do that. Like she's, well- She's she's working on falling asleep right now, but she'll line up her animals and play. And I'm like, so have that for two hours. So she's really good at like, lately when I leave, it's, you know, screams for a little bit. And then a minute later, she's totally fine. Oh, that's good. That's so, so that, good. Yeah, that is, she's a, a very good sleeper in that regard. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. That. So, okay. I did like a two second social media stock of you and I have like a bone to pick with you. I am deeply jealous that the podcast follows you. I don't think that they know that they follow me. This was, they followed me for, I feel like I was an OG listener, like maybe not quite OG because they've been around for two years, but I started listening in like 2015, 2016, back when they were still pretty small. Okay. And so I think they just followed everyone back that followed them, you know, dude, when I saw that, I was like, oh, I, first of all, I love that you love the podcast. The podcast. Yes. Are you still a fan? Oh my yes. God. It's like, it's just like, I don't listen as often as like consistently as I used Same. to. I, because I don't, I can't like, I don't know, whatever. It's just, I, I sound like a saw. I'm like, oh, my life is so busy. I don't have time. But you know what I mean? That's it's like, true. it's hard to yeah. keep up on all the podcasts that you love. Yes. And now there's so many more pot. Like it used to be, it was like the happy hour with Jamie Ivy, the podcast. Same. 
The Big Boo cast. Same. Oh my Those gosh. Are- I think they're so funny. I love I them. I love them. I think they are a riot. A riot. I salute all the time that Melanie Shankle and her husband, I'm like, this is us in 20, like her book about marriage, uh, The Antelope in the Living Room. Have you read it? No, I I should. Should I? It is so funny. I couldn't get through it every time. I was like, okay, listen to this. L- listen to this. Listen, listen oh to this. My was gosh. Like, I get it. And I'm like, no, but you don't understand. They're just, I love them so much. I remember one time listening to an episode with them and someone wrote in like some, like some question about marriage or whatever. And it's like, how, like, how do you stay so happy and in love or like something like that? And when they read the question out loud, they both just started laughing and they did that like <laughs> silent laugh thing, like where they're yeah. laughing so hard they can't even hear them. <laughs> and Sophie was like, the key to a happy marriage is accepting early on that you're just going to have a perpetual low level of annoyance at your spouse. <laughs> and I like spit out my coffee. <laughs> it's just like, I love these people. <laughs> they are so, so funny. I want to be friends with them so bad. I me too. I love them so much. I love them. So yes, it, it, we are the same. It was like always, it was yes. happy hour, podcast, big boo cast. Mm. I listened to Sword of Awesome. Did you listen to that show? No. Who's, is that May? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Maybe I must have, because I think I saw it in my library recently, but I don't feel like I ever really listened. And then I do listen to Annie F. Downs when I can. Do I, listen, I that sounds fun. Sometimes. Okay. Yeah. But of course, listen, I'm going to be honest with the listeners right now. I'm not like, okay, how do I want to say this? (laughs) It's been a really hard year. So like, as you know, I know you listened to my episode with Kelsey, like whatever, it's been a hard year. I had a baby, my mom, all the things. So it's like, when I have any free time, do I really want to be consuming like serious media? Not really. So I've been listening to a lot of just like housewives recaps like and stuff like that. Like, and okay, I, that is my love language. Okay. Do you two I judgy girls? That. No. Who's two judgy oh, girls? They're my favorite. I'm it down right now. They're my favorite Bravo recap show. Okay. They are so funny and I, they just have hot takes and that's my Friday. They normally come out with episodes on Fridays. They're not like, super like it's not every Friday but my daughter goes to my parents house on Fridays and so that's when I can like listen to my my Isn't podcast. That bad? It's bad when your kid starts being old enough to understand and then you're like yeah. I can't listen to this in front of them anymore. I Marco Polo with a group of friends and we weren't even like saying anything bad but I was listening mm-hmm. on two times speed and my friend was saying something and she was like blah 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 blah, blah. and my daughter was like who's that? Like yes. when she was talking about and I was like how did you even catch on yes. to that? No, totally. I have to be careful about Marco Polo's too. Because yeah, yeah, it's like if someone's like, I don't know, venting about something, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? I don't want her going to church and repeating it. Right. Or even like innocuous things. And you're like, I just, I don't want to have to explain this to you. Exactly. Like, Like, wait, what does that mean that she like got this? And I'm like, just forget it. I don't want to talk about it. You know what I mean? Like it's none of your, that is really, that's like a tragedy when your kids are old enough to understand. And you're like, I'm not going to listen to a housewives recap mm-hmm. with you in the car. You know, like that's not ideal. Like I'm yeah, probably, I'm not going to do that. For when you are gone. Now, do you listen to, do you watch Vanderpump Rules too? I, 
I do. Me too. Um, A funny Marco Polo story. We were talking about the uh, flute and Tom Sandoval and Ariana's house on Marco Polo. And so we were having to talk about all of us, our moms and our group. We were having to talk (laughs) about it and roundabout terms and little ears were around because one friend had just started watching and she was like, what's the significance of this? Oh my gosh. I love this. I actually, I had a Bravo themed baby shower. My friends, and they got me a cameo from Sonia Morgan. Shut up. And then, it's going to make me sound like a real loser. Um, we dressed up for the, do you watch Salt Lake City? Oh, yes. So we dressed up for the reunion, the first part of the reunion. We all dressed like different detectives. In oh, our- I saw your reel. And Heather Gay liked it. No, shut and up. Like, oh my gosh. Why a housewife? That. I literally said to Scott one time, like, I was like, could you just like imagine like if I was ever asked to be a housewife and he was like, Caitlin, okay, first of all, you need to like get a grip. And second of all, obviously you can't ever be on that show. I was like, like, it would be a dream come true. I could show them the love of Jesus. And he was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just love it so much. Why do we love it? I just love it. I can't help it. I just, I mean, I remember when the first episode of Orange County came out and being, oh I was my in middle school mm-hmm. and being like, what is, so it just feels like something I grew up with. And yes. now that it's been around for so long, I love just like analyzing the dynamics and the yes. behind the scenes, like, oh, well, if she makes an alliance with this person or if this person doesn't return back, then what is a friend? I just love analyzing friendship dynamics. And so I think that's mm-hmm. why I like it. Me too. I love I can be like, oh, this doesn't involve me, but I can get involved. I love drama when it has nothing to do with me. I love to talk about relationship dynamics and like why people are the way they are and baggage and triggers and all that yes. stuff. It's so delightful when it's friend to do always with say, we're like, we don't criticize, we analyze. Correct. Oh, I love that. I'm stealing that. Yes. I love that. Like it's It's just so good. The one thing that I don't, that has been bothering me recently is that I do feel like reality TV has gotten so like, because of Scandaval and all that other stuff, it's so sensationalized that now you can tell that people on the show are thinking, what should my storyline be instead of just living? So like in this first episode of VPR, when Lala was like, so I called Raquel, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hi, you were clearly doing that for a storyline. You don't care about her whatsoever. That was you trying to make yourself relevant on this episode. Mm -hmm. And that's annoying. Yes. And gosh, don't even get me started on that. She trying to make this about herself. I'm like, oh my gosh. You were divorced like how many years ago? And now you're just now like having this epiphany of like, oh, maybe I've been mean to people and now I'm hurting. And I'm like, and she was like, I just, I was the other woman. And I'm like, that's what uh, people have been trying to tell you all Very old news. It's like super, super old news. Honestly, hot take though. The biggest narcissist in that group, I think is Sheena. Yeah. Sheena cannot think of anyone other than herself. She can't, but she's just, she's like, a lost puppet. You're just like, it's you true. mad at her. Like she does stuff and you're like, Sheena, but then Sheena. she just, you're, you're right. Like, she's not like mean. You know, she's not like no. a mean person. She's just like, she just genuinely is like me, my, I, yes. me, me. Like she just like, can't like, she just can't break out of it. She's yeah. impossible. It's impossible. But she was like, I could have forgiven 
you know, him cheating on the relationship, but when the restraining order, yeah, it was like, Oh, okay. So it was really bad for you. Okay. Yeah, once it affected me, then I cared. You poor thing. All right. Listeners. I'm sorry. Thank you for letting us do that little Bravo sidebar. I feel connected to you that we yes. are both Bravo people. I love, I just love Bravo. And we, I also was listening to an old episode Okay, so you and Kelsey had a podcast for like a lot of years called Craving Connection. Well, it was, it had a few different names, but you guys are just like fun. Like when Kelsey first reached out to me on social media about my mom, like, cause we had connected through like Dr. Bookvar, whatever. I, I don't know. I guess I looked at her Instagram and I realized she had a podcast. I don't really know how I figured that out or I don't know. I somehow came, it came to me that she was on a podcast. And when I listened to you guys, I was like, oh, we would be friends. Like both of these Kelsey's and me, like I, they're so fun. Like you guys have like such a good vibe. And I was listening to one episode with you guys. And I literally laughed out loud because you were talking about like going on a trip to Hawaii or something with your husband. And you were like, I really like have a vision in my mind that I want to wear a long button down linen shirt as a cover up, And Mm -hmm. You said, like, this has been consuming my mind because I'm looking for a very specific fit. And, like, legitimately, on today's episode that I released of my podcast, I went off to my sister for, like, 30 minutes about this, like, puffer vest that I wanted. And I was looking for this very this very specific look that I wanted. And, like, why was it so hard to find it? And, like, it was, like, I only wanted to spend a certain amount of money, but I wanted to look like this or that. And it was consuming my mind. And when you said that on your podcast, I was, like, A, I feel like I understand her. And B, thank you that I'm not the only crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> I I wish I could say that was, like, the only thing that I... Oh, please. But I remember, like, in high school having this vision of I wanted navy nail polish. And I couldn't find, like, the right navy nail polish. And that consumed my mind for weeks. The very perfect navy nail polish because I went on that same journey as you. OPI, I saw, we saw, Warsaw or something like that. It's the weirdest thing. It is the most perfect navy nail polish. But I realize you said that that was in high school. We're many years beyond that, but you never know. You know, I will keep that in my back pocket. For the keep next that time. in your back pocket. Maybe. Exactly. Yes, I need. I need to remember that. I love that. So you kind of mentioned earlier, you said like we were fostering and then you said Kelsey and I had both been through miscarriages. So I know that you have like a journey of like infertility and things like that. And there's fostering in there. Like, tell me a little bit about that. So like you, your husband's name is what? Luke? Luke. Mm -hmm. I got it. All right. So you guys like got married and you're like, let's start a family. So funny story, whenever we were in premarital counseling, um, the pastor who married us was his youth pastor. And he, in one of our sessions, he was like, okay, I want you on the count of three to say how many kids you want. Oh my gosh. I love this. One, two, three. And at the same exact time, Luke said four and I said zero. Ah, This is a good story. Oh my gosh. And he was like, okay, you don't have to figure this out right now but just know you said zero and you said four. And we're like a little bit of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I had always wanted to be a mom. I just, some things that happened, it had deaths in the family where Mm -hmm. I was just like so scared. I was having really bad anxiety and I Mm -hmm. just could not fathom like the responsibility of caring for a child and the weight that came from that. And if anything ever happened to that child, like I just, 
I was too scared at that point. And, you know, when you're young and we love to travel and all this stuff. And I'm like, I also don't want kids weighing me down. Like I got stuff yeah, to do. Totally. So we were not wanting to have kids right off the bat. Um, but kind of speaking of the podcasting heyday, my eyes were open to a lot of different, you know, types of Christians in the world. Listen, mm-hmm. honestly, listening to the happy hour. Like I remember she mm-hmm. would interview people and I was like, Oh, this girl does this and she loves Jesus and she does this. And I just thought it was so cool to be like, Oh, being a Christian doesn't have to look one way, which duh, you know that, but it just like really gave me examples of how that could look. Totally. Um, and so on her show, there was just a lot of talk about like adoption and foster care at the same time, there were sermons at our church that were about adoption and foster care. And that wasn't something that had ever like necessarily been on my heart, but it just kind of started to stir. And I was like, okay, I don't know why this is like Mm -hmm. on my mind, but it was just something I was gathering information about. And I was like, there's no way that Luke would ever want to do this. Like, I don't think he would be into it. Um, but when I mentioned it to him, he was like, yeah, I'd be open. I'd be open to that someday. And I was like, really? Oh yeah. He was like, yeah. And so we were kind of on the same page of like, yes, we want to be involved in this world somehow, Mm -hmm. but we don't know what that is going to look like. Um, we were living in Oklahoma at the time and we knew we wouldn't be there forever. Mm -hmm. And so I had a coworker who did respite care Mm -hmm. and she kind of telling me a little bit about that. And I was like, Oh, well maybe we'll get, you know, certified to do respite care or babysitting or something. But about that time, his company, he got a new job and we were going to be moving to Houston. So we were like, okay, well, we're not going to go through all of that if we're just going to move. Because it's obviously Uh, like a state-by-state thing. Like if you get certified in Oklahoma, you can't be like transfer it. Like you'd have to start over. Exactly. Exactly. So we moved to Houston. We're getting settled. You know, we move into a department. um, And so the fertility and the, the foster care stuff is all kind of tied tied together. So I'll tell it all together. Um, Mm -hmm. we, I, we moved to Houston in April Mm -hmm. that next February, I found out I was pregnant for just like a second. It ended up Mm -hmm. being a chemical pregnancy, but what is that? So it's like a very early miscarriage. Okay. So like I took a pregnancy test, it was positive by the time, then I started bleeding by the time I took another test, it was negative. I got okay. a blood test. Like there was no HCG detected. Okay. Um, but what that did was kind of make us realize like, oh, well, maybe having kids is something that we are ready for. Like maybe mm-hmm. this is something that's in our future. Our friends were starting to have kids. It was starting to be, you know, less in the distant future. Sure. Um, so that kind of set us off of, okay, I guess we're going to start trying to have kids and, Maybe we'll get a house and kind of start to establish roots a little bit. So Mm -hmm. again, fostering still kind of in, in our minds, but not still wasn't the right time. Mm -hmm. We buy a house. um, All the while we're still trying that next February, I get pregnant again. We're super happy, like so awesome. And it had been a year of trying, which Mm -hmm. kind of Trying, whatever. It was, it was a long time. Yeah. Um, So we were really excited. Start, you know, tell our family, all of that. Heard a heartbeat, like this is happening. And then I started bleeding. (sighs) And it was, this one was a missed miscarriage. So 
the baby had stopped growing at six weeks and I was eight and a half weeks along before my body realized what was happening. Okay. Um, So that was obviously devastating. I mean, that it was really, really hard. You know, we've been trying for all this time. Of course. What the heck? It's finally happening and now it's not. And so Mm -hmm. that was really difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, And no one prepares you to have a miscarriage. You don't know like what is normal and what is not, but I just was bleeding for a long time. And I was like, is this normal? No one tells you like, yeah, you're going to bleed for a long time. So I didn't right. what was what was normal. And so I was like telling my doctor, like this has been going on for so long. Like I just need this physically to be over because I can't move. Like I'm never going to just forget about it, but I can't move on until of course, like, or even start to think about anything else until this is over. Yeah. So she was laying out some options for me that I wasn't on board with. And she... Mm-hmm was like, well, the sonographer, when she was looking, she made a comment that your uterus looked a little bit heart-shaped. That could indicate some things. I could refer you to a fertility doctor. And I was like, let's do that because I already, you know, it took me mm-hmm. so long. To get yeah. So I got the referral for a fertility doctor, Um, started seeing her that sent us that whole summer was just like tests and <laughs> all sorts of things. Um that eventually revealed that I had a septate uterus. So I had one uterus with like a bunch of tissue in the middle, a big septum um, that divided it in two. Okay. There's different levels of severity of how that could be. Mine was like so severe. It was like my um, entire uterus down to my cervix was just this big block of tissue. And that's just like a genetic thing? mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm like... So how could y'all, I had to have a hysteroscopy, which is like where they take a camera and look in there. And then I had to have an MRI to confirm it. And so, but I'm like, how did y'all not know? Like, yeah, how did you miss this? A lot of tissue. How did you not know? But I guess you, you know, the, the little heart shape is what tipped them off that there could be something. Interesting. Uh, So the, the thought and what I think probably happened when I miscarried is that the baby implant planted on that septum. There's not blood flow there. Sure. That's yeah. what so we're like, okay, great. Get that all cleaned out. And yep. my doctor was like, you should be good to go. She, you know, took several hysteroscopies to get it all out. And she was like, if you're not pregnant in three months, call me and we can go to the next steps. And I was like, well, three months, like it takes yeah. people. I knew that a year had been a long time to try, but three months also didn't feel like, and all this time I'm, you know, having to educate myself about fertility a lot more. So I was like, okay, I know that that's quick. So I think that was like, it was in the fall sometime, like October, November timeframe. So mm-hmm. time goes on. I think it was February again that I reached out and I'm like, okay, I'm still, you know, giving it some time. I'm still not pregnant. So this is 20... 19. Okay. Maybe it's 2020. I think it was, it must've been 2020. Um, that I was finally, it was 2020 that I was finally like, okay, we're ready for like next steps of what to do. Um, so that sent us down the path of, okay, we're going to try some like medicated cycles of trying to get you pregnant. We're going to try IUI, like that kind of stuff. Um, my husband's probably going to listen to this and be like, you have the timeline all wrong. That's not how this- <laughs> <laughs> the concept this is was, there. Yeah. The it's the general. Exactly. I think this was all 2020. Um, 
So right before we did our first IUI, that was when COVID happened mm-hmm. and all elective of course. are, you know, yeah, oh. happening. And so I'm like, are you kidding? After all of this yeah. time, like, I'm finally ready. And you're telling me that I can't do this. Oh. And so eventually it got to where we could do it, but you know, that definitely slowed things down and of course changed kind of how we did things. So during this time, you know, we're locked down, we're at home, we're quarantining, we're not going anywhere. And um, let me back up. I forgot this part of the story. Whenever I was, um, it must've been before I knew I was pregnant. We, the fostering was still. Okay. On On the table. Okay. On the table. Because it was never fostering was honestly like on our hearts before we knew right. any of the fertility stuff. It wasn't, so the th- it wasn't the type of thing where you were just like, well, if we can't have a baby, I guess we'll foster. Yes. It was it like was their first. Completely separate was their first. Totally. So during, before 2020, right before I miscarriage, we had um, found an organization that we were like, well, we could go through them and foster through them. Their offices were like, 45 minutes from our house. It was like, you know, Houston's huge. So we would Uh have to go after work. It was all the classes were on a weeknight (laughs) and it was, I mean, it was a big commitment to do. And there's Uh a lot of certification that needs to be done. So we had attended those classes and it was actually really cool because like I said, 45 minutes away from our house, the first night we walk in and we see a couple that we know from church. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Wait, what are you guys doing here? Like, yeah. Too. So that was really cool to be like, oh, okay, this is definitely like a God thing that totally we see you here. And the only reason we knew them is because we had felt like, okay, we need to start volunteering at church. Like, mm-hmm. what can we do? We signed up to be like door greeters, mm-hmm. and the wife was like the um like volunteer coordinator for that. And so that's cool. It was so just yeah. that world, like even knowing them. Um so we met that couple at the classes, we went to a few. And then that's when, um, you know, I was miscarrying and I was like, okay, this is just too much. Like we've a lot, just take something off of our plate. We we're going to put a pin in this. So we yeah. put a pin. So fast forward again to 2020, they had gotten a placement, um, at the beginning of the year. And so I just kind of been following along their journey of like the, okay, the couple that you saw at the, the thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'd kind of been seeing like, okay, this is how long it took them to get certified. Okay, yeah. This is what they have to do. Okay, they've gotten a placement. So she was kind of my, um, I call her my foster mom mentor. Like she was just yeah. always ahead of me because they kept doing the training when we couldn't do off. it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, they kept going. Um, so that also kept it front of mind for me, like seeing totally. her and, you know, throughout this time too, I'm just starting to follow more Instagram accounts. And you know, when you like, Mm-hmm. Have an idea for something, and then all of a sudden, you just start seeing everywhere. Seeing yep. Everywhere. That's kind of how I was. I was just like, okay, this is you know, I'm interested in it, so I'm gonna take in as much information as I can. Um, so it's spring of 2020. I like have this vivid memory of us sitting on our back patio, had like string lights and our patio table, and it's so pretty. But I'm just like at this crossroads because, like, I don't know what to do. Like, our fertility treatment is shut down. Do we foster? Like, is this God telling us, okay, you're supposed to foster because you can't do this fertility treatment or 
do we keep doing fertility treatment or like, what is the answer? Because I don't know. Mm-hmm. And Luke was like, well, who says we can't do both? And I was like, well, that sounds really stressful. Yeah. And that sounds like a like, lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. He was like, I, you know, I think that we just need to keep walking through both doors until the doors close. And that mm-hmm. will be our answer of, you know, we feel called to both, like we want biological children, but we also feel called to foster and the timing has never been right clearly for either. And we Mm -hmm. were like, we will never have more time than we have right now. True. We can't do anything else. Yeah. And because of COVID, they moved all of their training courses to online. Made it easier. Made it easier. So we're like, we really have no excuse not to to be doing this. Like our lives are only going to get more chaotic. So we were like, okay, that's what we're going to do. So Mm -hmm. we committed to doing all the trainings. So throughout the spring, we're doing trainings, we're doing fertility treatments at the same time. Um, I think at this point, I don't think we told anybody about our fertility. I mean, people hadn't known about like, you know, my surgeries and miscarriage and all that stuff, but sure. we didn't tell anybody about the IUI stuff. Okay. Um, and my whole thing throughout this process is I just didn't want people to think, oh, they're like, you know, you always hear like, oh, we'll just adopt and then you'll get pregnant. And I was so afraid yeah. like, that is not why we're doing either one of these things. Like yeah. they're totally separate. And so that was always something that I was, you can't control how other people interpret things, but mm-hmm. I just did not want people to. I understand that the perception totally like it matters. Yeah. You care. Yeah. yeah. So we go through spring, summer where it takes forever to get certified. Like you have to have home studies and mm-hmm. interviews and background checks. And it was just a lot of like, you know, we would do the trainings and that felt like, okay, now we're done. And Yay. then it was waiting, like Ugh. submit something. And then, okay, I'm just waiting to hear back. Like mm-hmm. at least when you're doing the trainings, you feel like you're working towards something, but totally. when you're, waiting, you're like, what is the point of this? And then you're like, aren't there so many children that need homes right now? Exactly. Like, why is this so slow? Yeah. Like, hello, pick up the process. Yeah. We're we're, we're nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just a lot of waiting, a lot of fertility treatments that are not going our way. And so, um, in, I can't remember exactly when we had the conversation, probably early October, late September with my doctor. I did not think I was going to be on board with IVF. I was like, that's just like, seems like it's huge, big commitment, this huge thing. I don't know if I'm ready to take that on. And she was like, that's fine if you're not okay with it, but I want you to make that decision with all of the information and not what you think, you know, that's good. Yeah. She's, and this is why I love her so much. And she was like, just let me give you all the information. And if it's still no, that's fine. But Mm -hmm. at least you'll be making an informed decision. And I was like, that's valid. Yeah. And when she laid it out for me, I was like, okay. I mean, when you're already like, you know, I was already giving myself shots. I was already kind of in that world. It was, you know, it seemed like a huge leap from no intervention to going straight to IVF. But at this point I just incrementally been building up and I was like, totally not really that much more than what we've already been doing. So we commit to doing IVF and shortly after we get our green light that we're certified to foster. Oh my goodness. Again, walking through through both doors. Yeah. Um, and so at the end of October, we had gotten one other call or mm-hmm. text placement coordinator. It just wasn't the right fit. Mm-hmm. Um, our age range was zero to three. So 
you can, I mean, you know, having kids zero to three is a huge range. So you can yeah. prepare a space, but you can't prepare that much because you're like totally infant or three-year-old. I don't know. Yeah. So we'd gotten one call. It just didn't quite feel right. Mm-hmm. One night we're at home, obviously, because it's COVID. I'm asleep. <laughs> Luke's outside throwing the ball for our dog. And he comes in and wakes me up. And he was like, did you see the text from the placement coordinator? And I was <sighs> like, no, I'm asleep. I'm sleeping, as you can see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not seeing anything. <laughs> he was like, well, look at it. And she had texted us about a four-month-old little boy. Mm. And she was like, you know, if you think you're interested, give me a call. So we call her and she gives us, you know, they they really don't have that much information, but she tells us what she knows. Mm-hmm. She's like, take a few minutes and discuss it. And then... Um, How much time do you have to decide? Like s- several minutes, like not that much time. It's not like, think about it for the weekend and call yes. me back. Yeah. It's like, you got it five minutes. Like, oh let me know. Oh my gosh. That's, yes. I mean, yeah, that's a lot. Okay. And again, when I'm like asleep, I'm like, okay, I just woke up. Wait, wait. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And so we both, I mean, we really didn't need that much time. We were like, yeah, I think, mm-hmm. I think that's it. And so we call her back and she was like, okay, great. I'll, you know, pass it along. It has to go through, you know, sure. approval the channels processes. and yeah. Yeah. So from the time we spoke to her to, okay, we've got the green light. He's coming. It was about an hour. And they were like, yeah. So we're just like So from waiting. the time you said yes, it was like, okay, he'll be there in an hour. No, this was close to, but like, okay, yes. He had, like, we said yes. And they had to make sure like, okay, is this still good? Mm-hmm. Like, can this happen? We got the green light at like about an hour later. Yes, he's coming. Then about two hours after that, they came. So, oh my gosh. So you went from being asleep to having a baby. Asleep with no child. Yeah. (laughs) Wake up. Here's a baby. 11 o'clock. Everything's closed. I'm calling my best friend. I'm like, what do babies need? What, what formula? What? Well, right. Because it's not like you could have had diapers in the house and stuff like that. Because again, you didn't know if you were getting an 18 month old, a newborn, Mm -hmm. like what size diaper would you get? Like maybe the kids are already potty trained. Like you have no idea. So And maybe in hindsight, you maybe could have had like some different size diapers, but you'd, I mean, I truly knew nothing. The funniest thing that stands out to me is later on when people were sending us stuff and they were asking what I needed, I was like, I don't don't know. know. A friend was like, you know, do you want diapers? What size is he? And I was like, I don't know. Four months. So I guess size four. We did not use those diapers until my daughter was in size four diapers like two years later. Like, <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. I didn't know. I mean, to be fair, though, nobody who hasn't been a parent already knows anything about diaper sizes and things like that. It's like, so nobody true. like knows. Like, you don't know what you don't know. Why would you know? Exactly. So I'm calling my best friend, like, what formula? What yeah. bottles? What whatever? Walgreens is the only place that's open. So we're oh like, my gosh. You know, they don't have a huge selection. So right. we're just throwing stuff in. Um, and yeah. And then like one in the morning, they show up at our house with this little four month old baby. And I also didn't realize, you know, after having my daughter, I realized how young four months was. Yeah. I didn't realize, like, I don't know, again, not knowing that you don't know, you don't know. You're like a baby, like four months is so, so young. Totally. Um, yeah. And then we signed some papers and then they left and now it's two in the morning and we're like, oh, and so you, okay. you're just like, here he is like, Great. okay. And you're like, so what, what am I supposed him? to do? Do yeah, they tell you like, make sure he eats every three hours, this many ounces, like, no, 
they like dropped off a bottle with him and they were like, he's been like drinking on this. Um, but yeah, they didn't, I didn't know anything, anything. And like, again, you go through training, but it's not like, no, but have yeah, a baby, like totally babies have. Yeah. I had no, no idea. And that's scary. Like, yes. So I'm like, I don't know what to do. And he's like, yeah, who you are. But he had just been, you know, he was in shock. Like he had yeah. been in the CPS office all day. So he had been awake like all day. And you know, oh, his baby. nervous system is probably just like so on edge. And so yeah. it's held him on the couch that whole first night. I think he finally fell asleep maybe around like four in the morning. Like, oh my gosh. He was just wide awake and I was wide awake and we we're like, okay, we're going to yeah. figure it together. And with fostering, people would often ask like, oh, are you fostering to adopt? And that was something that when we first started, like, oh, maybe we'll do that. But you learn in most circumstances in Texas, I know every state is different, but there's not really like a foster to adopt unless it's an older kid who they've already been through. Oh, okay. Terminating parental rights. When it's in most circumstances, when it's a baby, in a circumstance like this, they haven't gone through the process of like, you know, there's a long, long legal road ahead. Is there anybody else? So through our process, we learned like, okay, we're like truly fostering. Like we were always open to, if the child needed us, you know, to adopt, we would, but that's not our goal. And And you knew that that was unlikely that like, they well, this, we had no idea. Okay. 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 Different. And everyone we talked to. So the, the caseworker who dropped him off was like, he's probably only going to be here like a couple weeks. Okay. Other people are telling us, oh, it's going to be a while. Other people are telling us like, oh, you might need to get ready. Like if you're interested in adopting, like you should get ready for that. So we're hearing all different things. Ugh, that's frustrating. Yeah. And so you're like, okay, are you going to be here? How long are you going to be here? How much do I need to prepare for? Yeah. And again, we're both working full time, but this was also like the blessing of doing it when we did, we're working from home. And so I think he came on a Thursday and I already had Fridays off. So I didn't have to take any time off from work, but like neither one of us took any time off from work because we were working from home, which is also just wild to think about. Like (laughs) went back to now again, I'm, I was a speech pathologist working part-time from home. So it was sure, sure, sure a lot of other jobs and my husband's job was very flexible and he could, I was telling you this earlier, like have him downstairs Mm -hmm. when he was in meetings while I was upstairs. And I typically, I had my days blocked where I would have like morning sessions and then afternoon sessions and have like, you You guys could tag team. Yeah. We could tag team. So it was very much like we were in it together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we had this little baby in our house and Two weeks later, I was starting shots for IVF. Oh my gosh. Okay. So again, vivid memory. I just remember like laying, like he obviously wanted to be with us. I didn't want Mm -hmm. to sleep in bed. And I'm like, I have to put you down for a second so I can go do my shots. And so I just remember like laying him down, hearing him cry and like, okay, we got to get this over with fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like do my shots and then going back upstairs to get him or asking Luke, like, okay, I need to ask my stomach. Can you go like hold him because I can't relax, like hearing him scream. Yeah. So it was a lot with like the hormones and that is, and I was just going to ask, did you feel crazy? Cause people say like when they're doing IVF, like they feel like the hormones I are a lot. Crazy, but I also 
had become an instant mom. So it was hard yeah. to distinguish. Which, which is which, yeah. Which is which, like, yeah. am I tired? Am I emotional? Am I hormonal? Is it everything? And again, I had been doing so many treatments that it wasn't like I was going from zero to 60. So I didn't feel like, well, I mean, again, it's hard to say because I was very tired. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, a lot to do with it too. Totally, totally. Um, so yeah, that was, that was our November was getting ready for the egg retrieval. Oh doing my that, goodness. Having this baby. Um, and then we did our embryo transfer in December and I found out I was pregnant with my daughter the day before New Year's Eve. And how many months had you had the baby at that point? At that point, we'd had him for two months. And there was no end in sight or there was, like, were they there talking? no end in sight. It was just, I mean, it was kind of, again, up in the, at that point, we were like, okay, well, the two-week mark, we've passed that. So yeah. he's going to be with us. And we would, um, again, another blessing of all this, all the court stuff was online. So we were able Ugh. to, like, end court and um, kind of, kind of have an idea of, like, this is how things seem to be going, but... You know, when you're in foster care, you learn to hold news lightly because you're like, okay. this is what you're doing today, but tomorrow it could change. So we just never really like, not that anyone was lying to us, but we didn't trust like, okay, totally. if you're saying this, okay, I'm, I'm taking that with a grain of salt. I'm not like going to make a ton of plans around what you're saying. So we still didn't know how much time to anticipate him being there. So you're now pregnant with a six month old. And like, are you thinking like, okay, I'm going to have like two babies at the same time. Like we're going to probably still have him and I'm going to have a baby and this is going to be wild. I remember making my registry being like, I have to register like for strollers thinking that I'm going to have two kids because if I don't, then I'm going to really be screwed. So that's where the mockingbird stroller was great because I can be like, it can be single or it can be double. But I just remember thinking that and being really emotional, being like, I don't know what my life is going to look like. That's hard. I have this baby. Am I going to have two kids? And, you know, and it wasn't about me, but when you're the one, you know, mm-hmm. raising, you know, going through it, I just, and so I had all these conflicting feelings because of I would course. feel that. And then I would be like, well, it's not supposed to be about, it doesn't matter. Like it's what's best for him. And, but you're also, so, you know, going through, you're raising, in it, maybe you're in it and you are loving them. Like they're your own child. And so to like, it was just this weird juxtaposition to be like growing this baby that I knew was mine, but to be yep. holding this other baby that I didn't know if he would be mine, but loving him. And I, I do remember thinking like, am I going to be able to love my baby as much as I love him? Like I can't okay. imagine like, I mean, I loved him. Like mm-hmm. it, it wasn't just like, Oh, okay. You're here for a little bit. You can stay, you know, like we had to prepare as if he was going to stay forever. And I mean, how could you know? He was the cutest like sweetest thing. Like, and when you're caring, you know, that's just like with the babies that we do have, like that's how your love for them grows is serving them, caring for them. Yeah. You know, so a bond definitely formed out of that. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I had no idea if he was going to be there when she was born. I had no idea how long he was going to be there. I was, you kind of just answered this, but I was wondering like, Cause I can imagine, okay. If somebody's like a foster parent, but they know that there's a very, very high likelihood that they're keeping this kid forever, that they're going to adopt this kid, you know, whatever, whatever the circumstances may be. I, I could see them 
just being able to like dive in more fully emotionally than if like someone hands you a baby and they're like, he's only going to be here for two weeks. Like I could see like naturally just having like a boundary in your heart where you're like, okay, I'm not going to like fall in love with this baby. He's going to be gone. Like I'm not going to have him forever. But it it sounds like you did really just fall in love with him, even though you knew it might not be forever and you didn't know how long it was going to be. Yeah. I mean, I think the first couple of weeks it was like, okay, you know, you're still yeah. figuring things out. You're probably going to leave. And then as time goes on, you're like, okay, you're not. And yeah. that's the whole point of foster care is like, it, you know, it's not about us. It's about the kid. And the whole point is to, you know, people will always say like, oh, well, how could you do? I just couldn't like see the kid leave. And you're like, well, it's not about like that kid had to leave their parents. Can you imagine doing that? No, that's really hard. And so we're yeah. adults and we are emotionally healthy and can, bounce back if I say bounce back loosely well, but, you no, know what but I, mean? I know what you're you saying the tools to recover correct if they go back these are kids who this is their prime time to be developing healthy relationships mm-hmm. and bonds and attachments and all that stuff so that's our job is to teach that to them so but it, I mean it was really hard to you know each day you fall more in love and be like oh you have the power to break my heart like at any second like if totally I'm just I don't even know what I'm going to do, but yeah. One of my really, one of my really good friends has done foster care and adoption and stuff. And she said, she's like, when people say like, well, I could never do that, which is kind of funny because it's almost like people are saying it like I can't foster because like, I'm so loving like that. I would follow up in the baby. So I can't do it, which is like kind of a funny thing to say. But she said, which I thought was so right on. She was like, if someone says to me, like, I don't think I'd ever be able to do it because I would fall in love with the kid too much. My response to that is then you're a really good candidate to be a foster parent. Because if you think that you would love a child so much that it would be really hard for you to let them go, you should be a foster parent because like, that's what they need. They need someone who's going to love them so much that like, wouldn't want to let them go, even if they have to. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a great response. And I think people tend to elevate foster parents like, well, I could never do that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, did you just hear me talking about how much I love Bravo? Like, (laughs) I'm not like a some super person. Like, Like, we're all people. We just made a choice. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. no, totally. And I think, you know, I can see God's hands all over it and that this was what he had for us. And I, I think at one point was like, oh, yeah, everyone should foster. Like, of course. Now I see like, okay, maybe not everyone is equipped to foster, but I think if that is something that you're prompted to do, like if that's for you, then he's going to see you through it and equip you for it. And, you know, I do think that there is something that everyone can do to be involved. I don't think because you're not a foster parent doesn't mean like, oh, well, not my problem. No, totally. Uh, My sister actually just filled out an inquiry form today to be like a CASA worker or whatever. Okay, yeah. Is yeah, that like a volunteer conflict. thing and you come visit or something like that? Yeah, the CASA is the court appointed uh, something advocate, social okay. advocate, advocate. Basically, like you go to court with the child and like you're their advocate oh. for their needs. Um, and I should also point out, I for, kind of forgot this in the story that whenever we were first applying, we were just going to do respite care. We were like, we're not ready to right. commit. And respite care is like, you're kind of like, you give foster parents a break. Like, okay. I think if it's, uh, again, in Texas, I'm sure the rules are different, but if it's over three days, I think it's respite care. 
So that's what, whenever we went to apply, that's what we were going to do. And then we were talking to someone who was familiar with this world. And she was like, honestly, the process for getting approved is pretty much the same. You should go ahead and get approved to do foster care in case, you know, a situation arose that someone needed you, you would want to have all of the certification just ready to go. Cause it's not that much more than what you're already doing. We were like, okay. okay. Yeah. That makes and then sense. throughout the process, we were like, well, if we're going to get this, we might as well just like yeah. commit fully. No, totally. Totally. All right. So then fast forward, you and your husband go to Hawaii. Yes. So we had been trying to go to Hawaii for like a year. We Mm -hmm. were going to go in 2020, May of 2020, I think, or March, um, celebrate our anniversary. And again, COVID made that happen. Yeah. So trip, we keep scheduling it and it keeps getting moved, rescheduling it. So we're finally going to go in um, April of 2021. And we're like, oh, well, this works out. It's a baby moon. Like it'll be totally great. But again, I mentioned respite care. You can't just like leave a Mm -hmm. foster child. Like we couldn't leave him with our parents or, you know, whoever we would normally like leave our child with. We couldn't do that. We were also- It has to be a certified person. Yes. Yeah. And we were still living in Houston at the time. And both of our parents and most of our family, our closest friends all live in DFW. So we're in Houston. Yeah. And so um, my sister-in-law and her husband lived there. But again, that- she was pregnant at the same time. So it's like, okay, can you get certified to do, you know, that's a big ask. They both yeah. work full time. Like that's a lot. Just didn't feel like something we could ask people to do. And so a friend of mine connected me with one of her friends who they were certified. Um, they were actually seeking a placement, but just hadn't gotten placed yet. They had kids of their own. Okay. Um, so we went and like met them first and they were awesome. And we were like, okay. And they, you know, we're good with watching him. They actually ended up getting a placement, I think like a week or several days before we left. <sighs> and they were like, we already told you we would watch him. So we oh my know. gosh, you were like, <laughs> they ended up, when they committed, they were like, oh yeah, this will be like good practice for us to being like, oh, well now we also have a kid. So they had four kids with them when we left. We were like, lovely. Are you yeah. sure? Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for um, the best. But it was again, like this whole, you know, you have to get it approved. You have yeah. to tell where you're going, when you're going, get this. So it wasn't, I mean, all trips are a lot of work, but this was just an extra layer oh. of, which is maybe why I was fixating on what I was going to wear because it was like, like something you could control. Hey, control. totally, yeah. totally. Um, so we get it approved. We're like, okay, great. So we go to Hawaii. Um, we actually get there and this is like not even the biggest part of the story, but just to kind of set the stage we picked this place. It was like a small condo right on the beach. We're like, awesome. We get there. It's a small condo right on the beach that's under construction. And there's caution tape, like all on the patio. Like you can't even hardly see the water. And we're like, oh my gosh. Awesome. Awesome. And we tried to like, like, why did you not tell us that? Like this this is the whole reason we booked. Of course. And it's like too late. Like there's, no other places for us to stay in the building because all the condos are like individually owned. It's not like a hotel where they could just right. move us rooms. And so oh. the trip started off on not the best foot. And then yeah. my husband, one of my husband's coworkers died. And oh it was my gosh. A weird time. So our first day was just kind of not weird. Great. Yeah. Second day, we're like, okay, you know, we're gonna make the most of this. We mm-hmm. do like um, I can't even tell you all the things that we saw. We drove up one mm-hmm. of the 
There's a name for it. I can't think of what we did. <laughs> we did something like we did some things. Yeah. Um, and we were like, okay, we kind of like started getting our groove. Like, okay, we're settling in. Like, this is going to be good. And I was like, okay, I think tomorrow I'll book us some, I don't even know, like boogie boards, something yeah. that we were going to make fun. A plan. Yeah. Something fun. We're like, we're going to really enjoy this. Like, we're settling in. And the next morning, with the time difference, I was up super early. So mm-hmm. it was, you know, five or six. And I wake up to a text from our caseworker saying, when you see this, call me. <sighs> and I knew right then I was like, this is not going to be good. Yeah. And so I call her and she was like, so yeah, he's, he's going back with family. And I was like, what, when? And she was like, well, so he was, um, he was going to go back the day after we, she's like, I know you're on vacation. So he's going to go back the day after y'all get back. Oh. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so I just like hung up the phone and was bawling my eyes out. I'm sure. Are you kidding? You just feel so helpless. Cause it's not like we were, you know, a couple hours away. I mean, that was the farthest I had, you know, the farthest I had traveled, but like, yeah. So far, like an entire ocean is between you and you can't just run to him. And so I was like, what do we do? And we were like, do we stay and know that like he's going to leave when we get back? Do we cut our trip short? And we decided we're like, we can't enjoy our trip knowing that we're just, these are all days that we're missing with him. And so we called Southwest and we're like, what's this? quickest flight that you can get us on. So we're like throwing stuff in our bag. I ended up leaving my curling iron, I think. Like oh. not on purpose. And we had also the day before just gone and bought all this food. Oh my god. And gosh. so we like took it out to the construction workers. We were like, we can't eat this. Here you go. That's food. nice of you. And like it's just gonna go to waste. And so yeah, we drove to the airport and I just remember wow. calling um, like standing in the security line falling. And I was like, he's going back. And she was like, oh my gosh. And just you know that whole flight back when we had just made it like two days before now we're oh my gosh it was like the most somber I can't even imagine I cannot imagine had you seen that coming at all that he was going to go back with family um maybe they there was one family member who they had looked into that they had deemed was not going to be a good fit and so he had a court date that was coming up after our trip a mm-hmm. few weeks after our trip. So we're like, well, if we hear anything, surely it will be like at the court date. Like sure. That's when they decide. Yeah. And so I was totally taken by surprise at the timing of it. And I was really mad too, because I was like, you knew we were going on this trip. Yeah. If you had any inkling that it was going to happen, not for like, oh my gosh, you ruined my vacation, but for we already moved this trip three times. We could have yeah. moved it a fourth and we would have like devoted this time to him. Yes. But so selfishly. Yeah. Like that was our, you know, our big trip first. Yeah. Our five year anniversary. Now it's a baby moon and now it's ruined. Yeah. There's so many layers that I'm like, if you would have known, like, why did you not give us a heads up? Like that. Yeah. Was really hard for me. Of course. I would yeah, still, we, I would not be good with that. <laughs> like that would it, be hard. I had a lot of bitterness for a really like I am just kind of now at the point where like, you know, we're several years removed, but yeah, yeah. I like, was so bitter for a long time. Mm. So we came back and we didn't tell them that we came back. Um, Cause we thought that if we told them that we came back, that they would make him leave smart. Yeah. Um, so we 
just came back and we're like, we're just going to soak in all this time with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, our families came, we like met them halfway so mm-hmm. they could say goodbye to him. And we had some friends in town. And so it, it was a really sweet week. Like, yeah. Know, and blessing of, we already had that time off that we had taken off. Yeah. We didn't like, Oh, we should be doing something else. It's like, okay, we had already. Yeah. Taken we have nothing to do. To we're going to just like take it off and be with him. Yeah. And I just remember the caseworker had said several times, and I, I also never told them I was pregnant because I didn't want them to think like, oh, well, you're having a baby. You don't care about this. Yeah. Because she would make comments like, well, you'll get another baby. Like, there's always babies. And I was always like, it's not about getting yeah. another baby. Like, of course. Like, we love him. him. Yeah. Yeah. And so when the day came that she came to pick him up, we had packed up all of his clothes mm-hmm. and his favorite books and toys. I and mean, we had like boxes and boxes of stuff to send. And she was like, you don't have to send like you, you'll get another placement. You'll get another baby. We were like, it's not about that. And we're like, I'm crying. And I I'm think sure. she realized like, oh, it's really not about that for them. Yeah. He's still like, no, like take all this stuff. And we, you uh, wanted him to be set up like wherever he yes. went. You wanted him to I have what he needed. The comforts, you know, cause at this point he's 10 months old. So oh. he's, you know, he knows us. He like responds to you. And, yeah. Yeah. And so, and it's also like a weird position. Like I was writing a letter to his family of like, here's what he like, you know, it's weird to tell someone <sighs> else about their own kid. Yeah. But also, okay, well, he's a really good eater and he's a really good sleeper. And here's all this stuff. Here's what he likes. Here's what he doesn't like. Here's his nighttime routine. Um, And we had found out just, we didn't know this leading up, but when we found out like as he was leaving or the week that he was leaving, that his family spoke Spanish. And so that was a whole nother level. Only, only spoke Spanish. One member spoke English, but the rest spoke Spanish. So I was like, are they even going to be able to read this? Yeah. And also it made me feel awful. I was like, so when he came, did he understand? I mean, again, he's four months. I know, but you just feel like, yeah. yeah, Did he understand that was just a whole nother layer of like whiplash for him? Like, yeah. And I'm pregnant, like so emotional. Like, Of course. So I'm writing this, like, I don't know if you're even going to be able to read this. And there was also, there were some safety concerns with members of his family where we didn't feel, you know, in a perfect world, we would have like met his family and been like, had contact with them. Sure. That was not the best idea in this scenario. And so again, we were conflicted. Do we like give out our information so they can contact us for childcare? Do we not? Right. We, we made a separate, like a new email address. That's a good idea. Just for them. That's a good idea. And we were like, if you ever need, you know, anything, you can email us. And we just kind of, we used our initials and yeah, yeah. We, we left the door open and gave them a way to contact us without like giving away too much. Sure. Um, yeah. And so she took him in the car and Luke buckled him in. And I mean, my husband is like bald beard muscles, like, manliest manly man and when we shut the door we both just like held each other and sobbed and like I had never seen him cry up until that point and then it's just like the weirdest whiplash too of like just like going from not having a kid to having a kid to all of a sudden well now what do we like now we don't have a kid anymore 
I remember we went to eat and you know how it is with yeah. kids of like a certain window of like, we have to eat dinner early or get back here for bedtime. And it's like, yep. I guess we can go eat wherever we want, whenever we want. And, <sighs> and that should feel like, good, but it felt depressing. I'm it sure. felt terrible. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And so that's kind of like the end of the foster story, but our like crazy story didn't end there because, um, I think it was like three days after he left Luke's job approached him and they had been, he was kind of at a point where he was ready for a new job and the jobs Mm -hmm. that they were offering him were not in Houston. And he was like, I'm committed to staying here as long as we're fostering. Like totally. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can't move. Right. And so after he left, his work was like, um, okay, well, since, since he's gone, are you open to this job in Dallas? And and that's like, where your family was, right? And that's where our family was. Right. This, I'm like entering into my third trimester and that I had, would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. I had originally been like, no, we're not leaving. Like mm-hmm. we're settled here. We have a house we love. Like I'm, we have a life here. And also I just kept thinking like, what if they call us back and, you know, him going back with his family didn't work out and they need him to come back. Like I yeah. want to be here for him. Oh Yeah. And so it was a really hard decision of, do we leave or do we stay? And Mm -hmm. ultimately we were like, we can't stay here for a what if. Totally. They call us. And they were like, you know, we had said like, if they did call, like if they could somehow still let him come with us when we were in DFW, we could make something where like we would move heaven and earth, but we can't just like wait around. No, no. big what if possibility. Totally. yeah, by the end of that week, our house was on the market. And wow. Like three weeks later, like the next, yeah, like three weeks later, we were moved down. And I think I would have needed to be like heavily sedated if I were you, like pregnant, the baby left, moving, like new job. I would have been like, okay, this is where I have my nervous breakdown. Yeah. And I think, again, I think I'm like just now at the place where I'm like, have, I, I can't say I've processed all of it, but there was a while because then, you know, you go into, oh, you have a newborn now. Then you have a baby. baby and like, you have no so time to think. Crazy for a long time. And it's yeah. finally like, okay, yeah, that was, that was a lot in the course of a year and a half. Uh, yeah, that is a lot. Do you feel, did you ever, do you get updates on him? Like, do you have any idea? Like, so I, I used to get texts from like doctor's offices, like, oh, he has an appointment coming up. Oh. And I like, because I was like the point of contact. Right. And so I would see that and this is bad, but I didn't tell anybody for a while because I was like, that is my only connection to him. Of course. Then I finally got one and I was like, okay, this is an appointment that if he misses, like I would hate for him to miss this appointment if his family is not getting these updates. Yeah, totally. So I had to call the doctor's office and I was like, Hey, I'm actually, you know, I was his foster mom. Yeah. Um, and then the caseworker, she had sent us one picture of him and then we didn't hear of anything. But when I was getting those, um, those doctor's updates, I Mm -hmm. reached out to her first and I was like, can you pass this along to them to let them know? And she was like, I'm actually not on his case anymore but it sounded like he was being settled in Mm -hmm. he was where he needed to be and so it gave me peace knowing that like okay you know of course I want to romanticize the situation and be like oh it all worked out but that's 
I can't not do that because the alternative is yeah. too hard to not. Um, but as far as we know, he's where he needs to be and, you know, in a, in a safe situation. So, wow. I mean, I, I know that like you were just saying before, like people are like foster parents are so amazing. And you're like, no, we're normal. But let me just take this moment and like, tell you though, like, honestly, that's amazing. It really is like you, that's a lot. It's a, it's a huge sacrifice. It's a hard thing for your heart. It's a hard thing for just your life. Like, you you know, and just hello, your trip got ruined. Like, and I realize that in the scheme of life, yeah, I get it in the whole scheme of life, a vacation, whatever, but that's a big deal in the moment. It's a trip of a lifetime. You're going to Hawaii. It's your baby moon. It got rescheduled a thousand times. And you know, I get it. Like, that's like, hello, it's a big deal, you know, and you love this baby. You're in love with this baby. And it's, that's a big thing. It really is like, that's a huge, big thing that you went through. So on that note, like, do, are you guys still open to fostering again or is it too wild now that you have a two-year-old like of your own? Like, where are you at with that? So for a while, when we first moved, we were like, I think we could put our certification on hold for a year. And we were mm-hmm. like, okay, we'll do that. And then when the, when that period came around where we would have to renew it, we realized we would have to do like all of our trainings were going to expire. And since oh. we're in a house, we would have to have a whole new home study. So basically oh. we would be starting from scratch. And that's a lot. You know, we had a baby and we were like, just not the time. And as time has gone on, I'm not saying that we would never do it again because who knows. But when we did it, like I felt so called to do it. And I knew like this is what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And I don't feel that right now. Again. Mm-hmm tomorrow I have to wake up and feel differently, but sure. where we are right now, I feel like my role is to support foster parents in any mm. way that I can and yeah. like talk about my experience and encourage people to support foster parents because I don't know. I mean, we, I don't know if we would have kept going when we were in Houston. Cause I was, again, I was still pregnant, but we might've taken another, you know, if the logistics weren't what they sure. were, yeah. we may have. Um, but it's, it's really hard and lonely and isolating. And there's a lot of logistics and like, just the more community and community support that you can have really makes such a difference. Totally. Um, So I just, you know, want to encourage other people. That's where I feel like that's where my passions lie right now. Or like, Mm -hmm. well, like resources that they can use if they are foster parents or if, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, I'm interested in this, but I don't know that I could foster. I'm like, great. I can tell you other ways that you can help. And what are some ways people can help if they're listening to this and they're like, I can't do that right now. Like, you know, but I, this is a important cause. Yeah. I would say the biggest one is get certified to babysit. So there's like a gap between like respite care. Um, Respite care, I think is over three days. Again, every state is different, but just being a licensed babysitter to give date nights, because again, you can't just go out to dinner and call a babysitter, even like grandparents to right. babysit have to be certified. Um, and so our brother and sister-in-law got certified to do that for us. Oh, uh, nice. I guess our parents said too, because they would come and stay with like, whenever we were doing fertility stuff, they would come okay, up and yeah. watch him. Um, so yeah, getting certified to babysit, if you know like a foster family, that would be mm-hmm. the biggest the biggest support. Um, 
getting involved in organizations or even just donating to organizations that Mm -hmm. help foster parents. Like the biggest blessing to us was the girl I talked about as my foster mom mentor. Whenever we, you know, got our placement, I texted her and I was like, Oh, he's here. And she was like, okay. She sent me a list of things. Do you have these things? Okay. Yeah. Oh yes. Within several hours, there was on our door, a stroller, a bundle of box of diapers at this organization. It's called Foster Village. I know it's in Texas. I don't know if it's anywhere else. Um, but she had reached out to them and oh, it had wow. the storybook Bible and Aww. other books and clothes and just all of this stuff. And to have a need met that I had like just even realized was a need and that I didn't have to do anything to orchestrate that yes. was like, you know, when, and it's awesome if you're asking people what they need and people bought stuff, you know, I had kind of made like a registry that I could when people sure. asked, here's an Amazon link, but to not even hardly have to think about what I needed. Totally. A huge weight lifted off in a time when I was making so many other decisions. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, so, and so I encourage people, like if they're, you know, kids are going out of clothes, like donate close to them or strollers yeah. or, or any organization that you can so that, you know, families can be blessed by those things. Um, and then, you know, again, if you know, foster families, like just offering to help out with whatever they everyday need. tasks that yeah. they might help with, like lawn care or whatever, because having yeah. to coordinate visitations and like, there's just a lot more logistics involved of like, oh, and they might need therapies. And that's what I was going to say is that I'm sure it's like easy for somebody to think like, oh, well, okay. It's like, they have a baby. Like I had a baby, no one came and dropped stuff. Right. right. But it is different because like in your situation, like you said, you literally went to bed one night and then in the middle of that night had a child. And it's like, there's a lot of like appointments and, and like, I remember my friends when they had a foster baby, it wasn't like, just call the local pediatrician and go to it. It's a very complicated thing of like which doctor and when and how and yes, the paperwork and the blog. Yes. Yeah, it's we more complicated. Were, in the grand scheme of things, we had like a very uncomplicated case. Like he mm-hmm. wasn't in daycare or school or didn't have any therapies, but you add that in and you know, you're having That's a lot. Out. It's a yeah. lot. So, you know, just any help with that. And I think too, the biggest thing is like, intervening before kids even have to enter the foster care system, like mentorship and at risk kids or families, you know, helping, helping out with their house, you know, like them get to work so that they can have a paycheck so that they don't have to, you know, so their children begin with like going kind of to the source of the issue. Um, Totally. I I just think there's so many, depending on where your passions lie, like, yeah, passion for like, Oh, I want to be a mentor for a kid. Or I really, I know a lot about cars and I could go fix up people's mm-hmm. cars for them. Or I, you know, I'm a really good cook so I can cook. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think that yeah. there's a way for everybody to get involved at some level that mm-hmm. would make a huge difference. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah. I mean, it's like, and wow, honestly, like the years that you went through just with like the fertility stuff and the miscarriages and foster all of that at once and moving all of that at once. I'm sure that's like a lot of layers. That's a lot yeah. of layers. There's a lot there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yes, well, thank you so much for, for sharing. Me, yes. Thank you for letting me word vomit all of this. It's uh, funny when people ask, it's like all the parts of the story are connected, like fostering infertility and moving. And I feel like I can't tell 
one part of the story without, without the other without telling it I'm like okay I've like over the years tried to be like okay I can just tell this part and not have to like tell my whole life story to no this story. I'm the same as you are you kidding me I'm always like well but that's because of this and like you got to keep in mind at the same time this was going on because you know what there's no situation that occurs in a vacuum you know what I exactly. mean like you don't just like do one thing there's always mm-hmm. 30 things going on and that sheds light on the situation. Look, this is like a dream scenario for me, like chatting with someone like about stupidity, like Bravo. And then also like important stuff like this and getting all the details. I just like, love it. I drink this up. I love, I loved hearing your story. I love talking to you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for letting me share. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CaitlinElliott.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, if you want to toss us a five-star rating, I would love you forever. Check us out next week for another new episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at so.what.else. Editing and all that stuff by Matt Carpenter with Parable Productions. Parable Productions.